0: This is the Floorball Guru Podcast, episode 31. Welcome back to the Floorball Guru Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about monetizing floorball. And it's similar to anybody else that's looking to monetize a sports program, sports business, Depending on what you're looking for, again, the focus in the long term is how do we how do we make money on it? If we're building it as a business, whether it's a nonprofit or a for-profit, the end game is we need to make money at the very least to cover expenses and, and then ideally then build so we can continue to push and grow and get more for the next thing. Because when we're laying out the basis of any business or if you've got an idea of where you want it to go or you see where the potential can go, The end game, again, is if we have to get it to a certain point, well, we have to make money in order to get it to the next level. When I started doing things in particular, when I started with with my business, Floorball Guru, I didn't have a whole lot. Um, Thankfully, I have a full-time job that supports, that I can support what I'm I'm trying to do. Um, Thankfully, a wife that supports what I'm trying to do. Um, So we invest a lot into developing the business. But the key is being smart and strategic with where we put that money so that we can get the biggest bang for our buck um, on the going out. And then hopefully because of what's going out, what's coming back in is going to cover those expenses maybe a little bit more or even more to continue to push out and continue to grow. And so right now, kind of looking at how um, how I try to do do things has is built on a a premise of kind of what I've learned over the years and what I think is going to be successful. But at the same time, I am a little bit limited in some of those things because I have a full-time job and family and, and other things uh, that that have taken precedence or make it a little more challenging in order to, to, to grow it. So on one end, yeah, I am limiting some of that potential, but working on different plans in order to kind of get over some of those hurdles so, a lot of people, when I've, when I've talked to them about floorball or they've seen it, they see it from a programming perspective. So, if they work at a hockey club or if they're working at a university, um, the, the, the programming let's get people in the doors, let's get them playing. If there's a cross, you know, where we're gonna maybe attract some different people to our program that's kind of the focus. And so some people are looking at it from that programming perspective of how can I offer more to my current customers or attract new customers at the same time. So there's, there's some of that. And then there's also the other people out there that are looking at, that can see it and will actually actively work to build it into a business. Um, in, in different capacities and so we've got folks that are, are looking at the equipment retail apparel side of things and so they're going that direction we've got other people that are looking at more business uh, franchising and, and working how do we grow clubs and how do we grow leagues and then there's other folks that are doing uh, more of a class or pickup games so it's a little more you kind of mix from the informal to the formal side of things and I think for anybody that's looking how do I monetize this sport uh, frankly the market for this is massive uh, I'll say it right now in 2019 uh, May 15 2019 this sport has a huge potential uh, as from a business standpoint to make a big dent in youth sports in particular when we look about the the, um, the amount of money spent on youth sports. Floorball has a, has a place there, and I I firmly believe that it will uh, that it will cement itself in time as a premier sport within uh, within the sports community. It's just going to take some time, and so it's going to take a lot of legwork for people that are are kind of out there pushing it. So when we look at how are we going to how are we going to make money off of, off of this? And you may be listening, going, how am I going to make money off of this? So there's a couple different routes that you can do. We'll talk about retail in the first part. So you can do a couple different fa- factors when you're talking about retail. You're, are you talking about apparel and you're, you want to go after the floorball market, uh, sports market, which is challenging enough uh, to, to get into the apparel side of things? But, you know, you can. everyone's got a niche, and if you can make that niche work, great. Uh, for most people, they're going to be looking at the equipment side of things. So you've got uh, selling sticks, selling balls, selling goals, selling the, the sport, and kind of getting it there. For most people that are out there or anybody that's gonna be starting, uh, the majority of it is having to contact either a manufacturer and import equipment and then sell. Um, so there's, there's some pluses and minuses to that. Or you work with a current organization to import, like Unahawk, Salming, those kind of that are overseas and import equipment in and then go out and sell. So you're gonna buy wholesale or at a reduced rate and then you're gonna go out and put your markup on it and then you're gonna go sell. Um, and, and for most people, uh, the sales right now are online businesses, online business sales. Some are doing a little bit here and there where it's that in person, but they're having to go to those people because it's not as readily available at uh, big box stores. The only one that uh, big box store I know of right now that's selling it is uh, Dick's Sporting Goods sells a Franklin NHL branded stick. I don't know, uh, and I haven't heard of any of them actually being sold in stores. I've only been able to find or see them online. So, um, but I do know some people that are working to to have those in a store where you can go down to a local sports store and buy them. And some of them are actually in in a couple different hockey stores uh, as well. Um, so there, there's definitely out there, and it's definitely a, a route to go there. At that point, you're selling as a, a wholesale to wholesale to a retail. Um, and you have to remember that all along the line, every time you add another person or a link in the chain, you're, you're reducing, uh, costs or you're, or adding costs in one way or another. Another format you can do is then partner with a current organization selling equipment and, uh, you know, work as a contracted employee with them and, and go out and and sell their equipment and then take a percentage of the cost. Uh, I definitely recommend if you're going to do any of that stuff get that on in a contract or it's clearly spelled out clearly written on all the agreements and understanding because the last thing you want to do is go into an agreement where there isn't one there isn't an agreement but that there might be um somewhere where somebody might if there is any issues you can always refer back to it in the end and then if you have to go the legal route you can go the legal route but at least you have a leg to stand on and vice versa so anybody that's maybe looking to you to sell equipment and isn't wanting to put a contract down, I would highly recommend it. Um, the other part when you look at it is the programming in the league side. So depending on where you're at, I mean, everywhere around the country in the world, everyone's a little bit different. My preference personally is to start when where I've got an area where nobody knows hockey, doesn't play hockey. We don't have that culture there in particular. So I have groups that don't have some of those same skills. So my focus has always been on let's build up the education and the teaching and let's teach the sport the correct way uh, so that people understand how to play. They understand the little nuances enough that we keep it away from becoming another version of uh, ball hockey, street hockey, uh, deck hockey, whatever you want to call it. Um, we want people playing the sport of floorball. And I think education and teaching cl- through a class format is really effective way to do that. The nice thing is if you form an LLC, or, or you don't even have to form an LLC, you can contract with local Parks and Rec. They'll hire you likely as a 1099 employee, and then you can work out an agreement. Whether, uh, and frankly, I would work on a percentage agreement. So if it's uh, you know $50 for a class, let's say it's a six-week class, You're going to make a percentage off of that. The city's going to make a percentage off of that. The nice thing about doing it that way is you can reduce your overall costs. Um, You can you have another marketing tool because the city's it becomes a city program. They're going to promote it for you. You can do programming promoting on your own. They take the money. They take the registration. They help you find space. So your overhead at the large is much lower. and then you can kind of build it from there. So that's that's one way to, to kind of build into. And an investment in equipment to get that off there is not that much. You will make that back um, over time. And depending on on the, uh, the program itself and how you lay it out and how you teach and all that other stuff is going to to get that return and then some. Uh, and then the other part is then looking at leagues and setting up leagues and how are you going to set up the, those leagues and um, how are you going to find space liability insurance uh, volunteers or staff referees how are you going to train everybody um, all of those things combined that kind of go into a league system uh, are another way to to monetize the sport and, and get it out there but it, it does it takes a lot more effort in the long term uh, to, to set that up um, depending on how many people you have that can help you and volunteer and kind of and go from there um, I have found that, or at least my approach to, to things is, again, to to build out a community, build a base, and then start adding different things. So I started with classes. Parents got to know me. They told their friends. It started to grow. Then over time, we've ended ultimately pushed that into a league, and now I'm pushing it into camps and things like that. So that's kind of my my thought process when we think about uh, we're trying to monetize the sport, the next thing you're gonna you're gonna have to figure out too is how do we price it? Um, you know, I, I personally, when I first started, I priced it low um, because I wanted I wanted to give people more opportunities to show up, thinking that that might work. A price point is is always gonna be hit or miss. Um, if you're too low, you're you know, as you start to raise it, it's it's never gonna get uh, high enough, or you're never or you're gonna miss out. So you kind of really need to find that balance. And then, if you add in a percentage split on top of that, you're going to be you know taking away some of your money too. But if you have a target area of what you need to cover your costs and build and grow, then do that and then add on to the percentage split that you might do, and then that becomes your final your final price going forward and then you got to add in the other things of do you need to buy more sticks? do you need to buy more balls? Are you getting goals? Do you have to have multiple sets? How are you doing this? Um, so there's a couple different ideas that are out there and there's organizations that are doing all of this uh, around around North America and around the world. So I think in the end, you have to figure out what's going to work for you, uh, what you're willing to invest in. You have to invest in it, but you can be smart about it. You can get creative, um, but you will see that return in the long term. Uh, and some of it's a little faster than others. And then you may run into other problems where how do I continue to grow this? How do we get more people involved? and kind of go from there you're going to need volunteers but i wouldn't structure personally a whole thing built around that i would structure and look at how can we make sure people uh we can pay people because you you get what you pay for um and if you want your program to grow while leagues need parents and volunteers and things like that your referees your statisticians some of those other components that you're going to need you need to be paying for them and want to make sure they're willing to do the job. They're doing a good job and then are paid accordingly. Um, so, there's just a, a snippet of some different ideas that if you're looking at a sport from a programming or you're looking at it to maybe start a business, there's some a couple different ideas and areas that you could maybe go after um, in order to kind of get involved. And if you're looking for more information about floorball in particular, check out my website, www.floorballguru.com, or reach out to me at david at floorballguru.com. I love to chat with people, help people continue to grow and uh, and go from there. So keep floorballing.